Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, if you're new or visiting this morning, you've come on a good Sunday. Also, Cynthia is on keys today. Exciting. I noticed that Tony looks a bit lonely before, a little bit... He's trying to hold someone's hand and rub someone's back in worship, but you weren't there. So Wayne stepped in. Thanks, Wayne, uh, for doing that. You're awesome, Cynthia. We love the Kings. They're an amazing family. But who thinks they need one more child? No one. No one. Too many kids. Four's enough. Um, you've come on a great Sunday today. Um, I'll welcome up our special guest in a moment. Um, but just some in-house news. Our celebration offering officially closes tomorrow. So if you've put in a pledge card or you uh, want to put in a pledge card, you can do that at our admin office after the service because next Sunday we are going to start our hospitality renovations at our working bee. Um, a little bit of information. Noah Noah, could you stand up and flex? That'd be awesome. There we go. Um, spiritually flex. It's weird that you meant physically, uh, that you assumed. Um, but Noah's going to be overseeing our hospitality renos, this project. So working with some guys from different demographics. So next Sunday, we have a shortened service. Pastor Nat, bring in the word. Um, and then we have our working bee, where we're going to start to demolish things. So come along next Sunday. But if you've got any um, skills when it comes to construction, or you're just really opinionated, go talk to Noah. I'm sure he'd love to hear about what you want from the hospitality renos. Even say, I'm not going to do anything, but this is what you should do. They're the best types of advice. Um, share everything. That would be really great. Um, Wayne has been asking for a hot tub, haven't you, Wayne? So that's been good. Um, today we are, this. if you're new to church, this next few months, our senior pastors are on sabbatical, having a well-earned rest. So there's going to be different people on our platform across um, the next couple of months. Um, hopefully you're encouraged last week with what I shared about going a bit deeper. And I just pray um, that across this ending season of the year that you would encounter the Holy Spirit like never before and we would be setting up next year planting good seeds in the soil, leaning into Jesus, hearing his voice, following his prompting and that next year would be a historic year for us as a church. So um, we are blessed today um, to have our former or half of our senior pastor, Pastor James, bring in the word. Pastor James and Annie were the senior pastors in our church for 30 years. Um, they were before that in ministry as well, but they sowed into our church for over three decades. Um, some people in this room might not know them, um, but you definitely know someone that is the fruit of their ministry. Uh, and we're very blessed. Um, he has He's freshly retired. He looks extra tanned. He looks ready to go. Um, but I pray this morning, you just hear Jesus. Um, we were chatting this week um, about what he has prepared this morning, and I think it's going to bless you, church. So why don't, just as a sign of honor for the Word of God this morning, let's just welcome Pastor James up as he brings us around the Word. Thanks, Claudia. That was terrific. <laughs> Cynthia. Thank you, Cynthia. It's all right. She'll remember the first time I ever spoke to her. <laughs> it's all right. At my age, you can start to make silly mistakes like that, and you just don't even get concerned about it. You don't get embarrassed. <laughs> Uh, it's great to be with you, and, and Annie isn't here. She's dog-sitting for your senior pastor down in Naruma, but uh, she would love to be here. She'll be here in, in about six weeks. We'll be coming back, and you'll get to see her then. Um, just a, a, a summary. Uh, we've been doing well where we are. You're obviously doing well where you are. Uh, we've been enjoying life, enjoying retirement. I found another church... Uh, which isn't a church, but I've joined an, <laughs> an organisation that has swallowed my life. And so, uh, but, but seriously, God has actually placed me into an incredible situation. <clears throat> We're actually serving. I've just become 
a qualified crew with the Marine Rescue down in Naruma. And, um, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm serving in that, in that unit with the most incredible people, most uh, courageous people from all, all walks of life, people that I have never, the sorts of people I have never rubbed shoulders with before, and it's incredibly enjoyable and very challenging. None of them uh, are churched uh, unless they've bounced out in a hurt sort of way and they don't want to talk about it. They are all, they're all just, I just love being with them because they bring a, a perspective on life that um, challenges me. And I, I just love them. And I, I wasn't going to say this because this is, this is being taped, but I just love them all. They come from such a diverse background. The person that mentors me is a practicing witch. I just... <laughs> And, 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 and I'm just so, so blessed to be with them, you know. So, so I've got to be a little bit careful of the vernacular that I use, uh, but uh, I, I just see God has placed me into a harvest field and um, I've just got to build relationship with them for a while uh, and, and, and take interest in what, in what their perspective is on God and, and the world. And uh, I just keep my mouth shut and occasionally just put in a little peace here and there, and usually get told to ba 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 ba, you know, so, <laughs> and I love it, so, uh, so that's what we're doing, um, and so I remember this is church, isn't it, this is what you do on Sunday, you come here rather than you go to a rescue unit, you come here, and I'm just enjoying it with you. Hey, I was thinking about what to share with you, and I thought, what do I want them to consider? What would I like you to take away and think about? And I realised I had about 200 things. And so I condensed them down to four things. And then I was going to prepare four messages and then give you a vote on which one you wanted me to speak on. Uh, but Marine Rescue took all my time and I didn't have to do that. <laughs> so, so what I'm going to do is uh, give you the list of the four things, I don't know if we got it up there, guys. Uh, there, are, there are four things that I wanted you to consider. And they are the greatest love, the greatest change, the greatest thought, and the greatest place. Now, that's a bit obscure. You, you don't really know what I'm thinking with these four. But what I've decided to do is grab the second two, cram them into one sermon, and uh, is the clock going this morning, guys? I haven't got my countdown. How do I... We, we haven't got that going? It's all right. I'll finish on time. So I want, to, I want to speak to you this morning about the greatest thought, I think, that is the greatest thought that God has ever shared with me about the gospel. And I want to share with you the greatest place that I think, again, that he has shared with me that I want to give you a consideration on the greatest thought and the greatest place. So, Father, thank you. As always, we rely upon you. I ask that angels would be ministering up and down the aisles, that we would sense the throne room of heaven spoken of in the book of Hebrews, that we would be caught into the cloud and that we would actually encounter Jesus in such a fresh way. Thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If I get a little bit emotional this morning, I, I was praying this morning and God spoke to me about something. It's nothing to do with this message, about something in my life to do with marine rescue. And I really got quite emotional. And each time I get close to thinking about it, I just about, you know, tear up. So don't, I almost did then. So just don't worry about it. It's not to do with you. It's probably not to do with this. It's just something else that's going on in the background. The greatest thought, okay, the greatest thought. Now consider, Genesis, in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, and the words up here are going to be in the, uh, in the New American Standard Version, which I always taught out of here. And then I think Pastor Joel told me that the, that the um, thing up here is NIV, so I did all of it in NIV, but they've They've deferred to what I always taught out of, so this and that aren't in sync. 
So if I read an NIV and it's up there in New King James, don't worry about it. Now consider this. God said in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the Godhead, the triune Godhead, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit came into conference and had a conversation about this. Let us make man in our image. Now, that's not the greatest thought. I'm just leading to it. But that's, what a thought. That God would create the universe or the multiverse, whatever you believe in, and he would place into that a thing called the earth and he would populate it and he would vegetate it and he would, you know, just put life into it. And then he decided in the Godhead, they decided, let's make man in our image. I tell you, God, who, the God we serve is not insecure. He's not, he's not on a power trip and, and reserving power because he then said, let's give them authority over creation. Let's let them go out and subdue the earth, to subjugate the earth. All of the beautiful creation that they had created and now he said, no, let's give man the authority. And let's give man the power to procreate. Let's give man the power to reproduce himself. This is God handing enormous power, authority to mankind. And then that goes on. And man was given dominion to rule over whatever God had given to him and the earth was being populated. And then in Genesis 2, we see God takes a specific line of, th uh, of story and says, now we're going to form Adam. Now, this is a different story to Genesis 1. Genesis 2 is a different story. And he says, let's create Adam out of the dust of the ground. He creates it, and if you've read Genesis 2, you'll know the story, and I, I commend you to read the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Get the full picture. Because a couple of things I'm going to share with you this morning, you need to understand the whole book or the whole 66 books. But God said, let's create Adam. And so he creates Adam. And then to Adam is born all the animals and Adam names them all and whatever he names is his. Possum, you know that once you give birth, whatever you name the child is going to be yours. You have to take them home. Once you name them, you take them home. Whatever he named was his under his domain. And it says there was no suitable helper for him. And so God fixes that. Adam's lonely. He gives him the capacity to have relationship. And he builds into Adam this, this longing to have a partner. And Adam is... On his own, but God creates Eve, taken from the man, and that's not what I'm talking about this morning, so I won't waste my precious time on it. And he brings her to the man, and he, Adam goes, yes, this is good. This is very good. And then they go off into their journey. I need to put this, uh, these glasses on, because I can't remember. Oh, yeah, here we are. So Genesis 1, the primary re uh, reason... God chose to create mankind. And Genesis 2 gives us a more specific responsibility and duty and shows us how in Genesis 1 he says to man, uh, to mankind, go and populate, uh, subdue the earth and multiply upon it. So subduing the earth is what man is good at. Have a look at what Putin's trying to do right now. Subdue the earth. There's this thing in man that wants to take ground, to leave his mark to be remembered beyond his lifetime. So in the, in the beginning, that was okay. But in, with Adam, he doesn't say subdue Eden. He says to him, cultivate it and tend it. Now cultivate means to get out of that space the maximum return possible. So if a farmer cultivate a, cultivates a field... He is endeavouring, if you see the way farmers mow in fields with their tractors, they come right up to the edge and there's a little corner of the edge that is, the tractor can't get at. Apart from that, everything else is seeded. Everything else is tended. Everything else, something is growing on. And he says to Adam, 
cultivate and tend. Tend means to keep uh, varmints. There's an American word, varmints away from it. To keep nasties away, to keep critters away. To kill, I can't even think of an Australian word. Uh, pests. To keep pests away. Cultivated and tended. So Adam, we see the story there. And so God is, is really pleased with this. And so we see the life of a man. We see that we have experienced many of these things in our lifetimes. But then, all too soon, man's life comes to an end. Queen Elizabeth, <laughs> that's another topic I can't bring up in Marine Rescue because one of my friends in there, I can't, I can't touch the topic. He's, he's a staunch Republican. It doesn't matter if you are or, or, or not. I'm not necessarily a monarchist either. But she did 96 years, and we would say, good innings, old chap, although she's a queen. She did well. 96 years. Most people don't get 96. And she does this and lives this, but all too soon it's gone. Even with the power, even with the authority, even with the monarchy, she's gone. Now, for most of us, we would think, well, that's man's lot. He's just going to get a certain amount of time, and then he's gone. And it says in Psalm 103, As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes, and when the wind passes over it, it is no more. And his place acknowledges it no longer. And that's the lot of man. And in the Old Testament, that's the way they thought, mostly. Most of them thought that way. Except we now know that that isn't the case because of Jesus. It's not the end of the story. The gospel is not a message about improving an otherwise miserable short journey through human life. It's about inclusion in a kingdom. And it's about eternal life. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, it hasn't yet ever entered. Have we got that up? Just as there are things which eye have not seen nor ear heard and which have not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. That's not talking about this life. It can't be talking about this life because it's talking about the fact that the thoughts of the writer here, a saying which is the Apostle Paul, it hasn't even ever, ever, ever entered your heart or your mind what God has in store for you. It, it, it hasn't dawned on us, not in a wildest imagination, has it ever occurred to you or I what God has in store for us. This is a future event. This is a future issue. This is something beyond our lifetime here on earth. It's something to look forward to. I'm amazed at how many believers do not have a constant eye on the afterlife. You should. You should always be thinking and longing for what God has in store because it's better than this. This can be good. This can be very, very good, but heaven and eternity and the plans of the Father for us are much better. Yeah. We ought to be meditating on that all the time. And those of you who are a little older in vintage, you know, the cheese is a little bit more mature, going towards blue vein mature. <laughs> you should be thinking about it even more. But we have no real frame of reference about heaven. There's nothing that can actually tie us to understanding these marvellous mysteries that the scriptures talk about. But I just want you, to, in the most basic, simple form, to th consider this. When you woke up this morning, did you have any aches and pains in your body? When you slung those, Joe, when that leg of yours hit the floor, was there any discomfort? You won't have that in heaven. They'll play netball or is it basketball? Netball? Netball in heaven and no one gets injured. No one gets tired. They don't even sweat in heaven. <laughs> no one smells. <laughs> 
This is heaven. You're not going to feel depressed or discouraged. The comment that that person made to you, whether it was yesterday at work, last week at school, or in your childhood from your parents, the comment that was made to you that has stuck to you like sticky paper and you can't get rid of it because it attacks your self-esteem. All of us have one of those or more. Somebody said something to us. And because of our damaged soul, we think the worst. I won't tell you what people said to me, when I, but I can remember it, and it fashioned part of my life, some of the things people said. None of that in heaven. Everywhere you go in heaven, you are affirmed, you are honoured. It is an atmosphere of love. No one's critiquing you. You're a winner, you're a success, you're accepted, you're wanted all the time, everywhere. That's heaven. And that's just the most basic thought that I could come up with, and it's very basic. No offences against you. You haven't offended anyone in heaven. No one comes to you and says, remember when you first got here, you walked through the gate? Remember what you said to me, your first words? Remember why you looked at me? I've, for, I've remembered that for the last 10,000 years. <laughs> God has more in mind for you than these short years of struggle and worry. He has fellowship with himself in mind. He has, he has more than he had for Adam. And Adam and Eve were just prototypes. They are not our model. Adam and Eve are just prototypes. God is just showing us something. And Satan's temptation and Adam's weakness played perfectly into God's master strategy. You see, I mean, I love what we were singing this morning, but I tell you, it, I, don't, I don't adhere to the doctrine of a lot of the songs that we sing. I sing them because they're great. But I don't adhere to the doctrine. I am not fighting a devil. Jesus did that. <laughs> Satan has no power over my life because I now live in a kingdom that is victorious and a saviour that has all authority in heaven and on earth. Where does that leave room for Satan having authority? Nowhere. He is, all that he is, is a usable commodity for God to bring about his divine purpose in my life and in yours if you choose to believe it. Otherwise, you'll spend all your energy here fighting the devil. I don't fight the devil. I don't even talk about the devil unless I'm teaching people not to think about the devil. If I, by the way, if I rattle any of your, it's okay. You, can, you don't have to agree with me. You can live the rest of your life being wrong. And then it says in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 1, verse 4. I'll just read it out of this. Sorry, you can follow it through in this. I've only got it here. For he chose us in him, when? Before the creation or the foundation of the world. Now, you read through that while I'm talking. That'll just save me some time. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him. For the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will. Now listen, he made known to us the mystery. I love mysteries. Do you? I love mysteries. The mystery of his will. Oh, what is it? What is it? And he tells us. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. What Paul just said there was this. The mystery of the Father's plan is this. That Jesus at Calvary and the shed blood that was the atonement for sin once and for all paid the price once and for all for everyone's sin, not just yours. Not just people that acknowledge Jesus. For the sin of the whole world, Christ died. The currency has been paid 
the tab has been filled. And when Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, what happened? He began a kingdom that progressively from that moment on is drawing all things in heaven and on earth to the Father in him. Jesus' arms on the cross were, were only, you know, this wide, as wide as a, if I could put this one out. His arms on the cross were only this wide, but in that, in that width of, in that arms, thank you, Paul, in that arms expanse, thank you. He has enough room, not just for you and me. He has enough room for the whole world and he has enough room for everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Because Paul said that it, the mystery of God is that all things are being drawn into or at least to and under his authority, his lordship. That includes every nasty thing as well. I constantly have this thought that I was there, I am now here, and I'm on the way back there. Because I was chosen before the creation of the world. Before my mum and my dad went on a date and got a bit frisky, I was in the mind of God. I was chosen before I was. So were you. So the greatest thought is this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the greatest thought, therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Listen to this, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Underline this, underline it, not counting people's sin against them. The only power that the devil has is to remind you of sins that are already forgiven. How do we know that? How do we know Jesus took care of it? Because Paul tells us that on the cross, he defeated Satan, but wait a minute, Satan's still here, isn't he? Isn't he, isn't he still wandering around on the earth to and fro? Isn't Satan still alive and active? Isn't Satan still getting people influenced under his nasty regime? Yes. But on the cross, what did he do? He took the ordinances, he took the law, he took the things that were against us. See, God started with Adam and Eve, and then he went through a lovely thing with Abraham and, and, and his descendants, turned out to be a nation called Israel, and Israel walked with God but required a set of ten commandments. And the moment that happened, the whole thing went downhill. Stop trying to live to the Ten Commandments. Those things are pure than you can possibly attain to, and therefore they will kill you. What did Jesus do to deal with this? He took the ordinances that were against us and nailed them to the cross. He fulfilled the law, he paid for your sin. And he took away from Satan the only power that Satan has for those who believe this. That every time you are reminded of your failings, instead of feeling guilty about it, thank God they've been paid for. Why doesn't Satan have authority and power in my life? Because I refuse to believe that I'm a sinner. I was a sinner. I'm now a righteous son of God. I'm now in the kingdom and a child of my heavenly father. Do I do things wrong? Yes. I won't tell you what they are, but I do things wrong. I go one or two kilometres over the speed limit sometimes. It's been paid for. Officer, why, why were you speeding? Oh, well, officer, it's been paid for. <laughs> Here's a ticket. Try paying for it 
with doctrine. Oh, okay, I'll have to pay for that. But the, the actual sin has been paid for. When the enemy tries to tell you your failings, you remind him that it's paid for. The sin of the whole world. Last time I, I'm going to say something, but I'm not pastoring this church. Last time I said this, we lost a family. Listen, repentance is not about you getting forgiven for sin. You're already forgiven for sin. Repentance is about you acknowledging your sin. It's about you owning it. It's about you being given a chance to turn from that position to another position and walk in a different way. You don't get forgiven because you repent. You get forgiven. You, you get forgiven because Jesus paid the price. Anyway, I've got to get off that because I've got 12, I've got 13 minutes and I've got to get to the second great thing. The first great thing was the thought. The thought is that I am included in the, in the, the divine payment and the devil doesn't have me anymore and that Jesus is bringing the whole universe to himself and he's drawing us into his embrace and you and I are there. We're there. But the second greatest thing is the greatest place. Colossians 3 Chapter 1. This should be a challenge. Uh, sorry, Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. The person next to you is dead. Do they look dead? Some of you look a bit dead. You probably, probably glanded up this morning with some makeup. You died and your life is now hidden. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Getting a bit harder to hide my life. But I'm, I'm trying to swim and get fit, but it's not working. I'm, but I, I'm, tr I'm hiding I'm hiding in Christ or with Christ in God. In other words, my life and your life no longer exists. You died. But there's a new you. There's a new you. Do you live out of that you or the old you? Do you live out of the hurt, damaged, you know, self-centered victim you? Or do you live out of the new, glorious, redeemed, future-assured you? Now, I know it's a bit of a challenge for you all, but you need to be challenged. So do I. Because I find myself defaulting back to the old victim me. And that me is dead. Philippians 3, Paul says, now this is one of my favourite scriptures of all all scriptures, it's this, verse 7, but wherever, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I found myself sitting there this morning when I was praying, getting ready for today, and I was just saying, Jesus, I long to be with you. I just, I have so many great things in my life. I have a beautiful family, I've got grandchildren continuing to come along. These are joys. But I long to be with my Father and with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. And I was thinking about some of my friends, people that I've known, people out of this church that have already gone. And I said, Lord, I'm jealous. 
I long to be there. I long to know him. This is the heart of a believer. You either believe that Jesus has done all this or you just keep it as sort of a religious thing in your pocket to drag it out when it's, when it's advantageous. If we believe that he died to give us eternal life and to be with him in heaven and to, and to live in the kingdom and to do all sorts of things for who knows what on different planets and different universes, if you believe that, are you looking forward to it? Oh, I just want to live till 96. Have you, at 96, my knees, I mean, even the queen, and she was sprightly. She had to be helped around. I don't want to be helped around at 96. I want to go there at a good, ripe old age. Bah, what, what age, possibly? Maybe uh, you, she doesn't want me to go. But I, I, don't want to, I don't want to go either in one sense, but in another sense I do. How about 75? 75 would be a good age to pop off this old mortal core. <laughs> no? <laughs> 76. Uh, good to see you, Gail. Just notice you. Thank you. I, I, when I teach, I don't even really actually see people's faces. I just speak to a group. But, but it's okay. I long to be with him. I long to be with him. At 96, do you think you'll have your own teeth? Are your elbows going to be working real good? Guys, will you have any hair left at all? At 96? Paul constantly uses this phrase, to be in Christ. The dynamic of being in Christ. And it's all through the scripture. You know, Matthew 28 Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it goes on. Do you reckon that's talking about going down to Plantation Point and getting wet in the surf? Baptizing in the name, not in the surf. Go and make disciples and baptize them in the name. Get people so immersed, so so infiltrated, so uh, liquidate, not liquidated, so full of the name of the Father. Do you know your Heavenly Father? There's a lot of space for more knowledge. Do you know Jesus in the name of Jesus that I might know him, Paul said, that I might know him. I want to know him. This is his cry and he wrote it down for you and I to feel the passion in his heart. Do you know the Holy Spirit? This is what true baptism is. Now, still go down to Plantation Point, but that's really not what Jesus is talking about when it comes to making disciples, because if the world was full of believers that knew the Father, knew the Son, and knew the Holy Spirit in such a way they were saturated with them, with their fragrance, with their power, with their knowledge, then this world will start to turn upside down. And here, we are, here it is, the Apostle Paul, and he goes on a bit further. I've got five minutes left. Hang in there with me. He goes on a little bit further, Philippians 3, and he says this. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That should interest you. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win, here we go, the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now what is that prize? What is Paul talking about? The prize was modelled by Adam and Eve walking in the garden. It was revealed to Abraham in Genesis 15.1 where God says, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. You know, Abram, i just got to say it. Abram missed the moment. God says, I'm giving you me. And Abraham says, Yes, but I want a son. Missed. 
Missed the point, missed the moment. God says, I am your reward. He says, yes, but what will I do? Because I don't have an ear for my house. You ever miss the moment? God is so gracious. He'll bring us back. He'll still, he'll still give us what he wants to give us, even though we are frail in that regard. And it was declared in Jesus' own teaching where he says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's eternal life. It's not a long time. It's a knowledge of a person. And Jesus said in John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. When the world, then the world will know that you sent me and I love them even as you love me. Jesus defines Paul's prize as inclusion. Inclusion. Paul is longing for the prize, the drawing of the upward call in Christ, that we should be one with our God. It was modelled in the tabernacles. There's only three tabernacles that I believe God ordained. There are other tabernacles scriptures speak of. He, the tabernacle of Moses, God ordained, and he modelled it, but it was a temporary structure and there was a coming and going of God's presence. The second tabernacle is the tabernacle of the human believer's heart. Where Jesus said, if you believe, I and the Father will come and make our abode with you. I will come and live with you and not depart. And the third tabernacle is found in, Je in Revelation 21, which is the city. And we sang about it this morning. We talked about it this morning. And the scriptures, there's more scriptures, but I'm, I'm out of time. But here's the thing. If you read forward in, in Revelation 21 and 22, it says the city is full of God. It's full of light. It's full of Jesus. The throne of God is there. And the Father and the Son will never depart from that place. But what is the city? It says the city is coming out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. The city is the living stones. The city is you and me and believers all around the globe, and those that have gone before us and those that will come after us. The city is a structure, a spiritual house offering up. I think Mark brought that to us this morning. Offering up sacrifices to God. What is the sacrifice to God? Well, first of all, to believe in his son, and secondly, to host him. That I might know him. I want him living in me, and I want to be living in him. And one day, past this natural veil, I will get the chance to be fulfilled. Right now, it's in a quiet time in the morning where I say, God, I just long to be with you. I long to dwell with you in true unity and with those who are brothers and sisters in the faith. That's the, to me, that is the greatest place, not heaven, him. I want to be lost in him. Every time I pray a prayer and I say, in the name of Jesus, these days I don't pray it as a formula. I just pray it because I make a, a, a mental conscious note. I am in him and he is in me. He is in every part of my being. He's in every cell. Sometimes he illuminates. Sometimes I, I feel like I'm so close to him. This morning I was drawing down on what I, I'm used to doing with just drawing an, angelic beings around that they would help because they minister to us. Heaven on earth. Earth in heaven. God on earth. God's people in heaven. No, in God, sorry. God's people in God. Don't you love the Lord? Isn't it a privilege to know him? 
And I said at the beginning, I was in this marine rescue unit now and having a lot of fun. But I was thinking, God, why have you placed me there amongst the most courageous people possibly I've ever met? People who will constantly, without wavering, go and put themselves in harm's way for other people. No God conversation. And I feel like the Lord says, I'm giving you to them for you and for them. I'm giving you to them for you and for them. For me, because I, I rub shoulders with these people. I love it. I love listening to what a witch does. <laughs> I just think it's incredibly good. I love when the full moon comes around. Everything changes on her calendar, let me tell you. I love it. But I'm in there. And I will finish with this. The other night, we're texting, we text one another all the time in the, in, the, in the crew. And one of the guys said, one day, I'll share with you my church experience. And I, I thought, Wow. If you knew this bloke, he would never let his guard down. He said, one day I'll share with you. He said, there might be tears. And I thought, maybe I'm there for him. But he's there for me. Let's do life. Let's honour Jesus. Let's let's not get hooked up with the devil and what, you know, your past. Forget it. Take the power of Satan out of your life. Leave in the glorified, resurrected power of the Son of God. (laughs) And let's enjoy the journey. Let's laugh a lot. I was laughing at Joe this morning. (laughs) She was laughing back. Hey, I've got to hand it over to Pastor Joel. Thank you very much for for Pastor Joel and Alex and the team for, for allowing us to come today. Uh, I honour the leadership in the house. God bless you. How awesome was that? Thank you, boss. We were blessed this morning. Hopefully you got something to chew over. Pray about, process through, apply to your life. Hope you are blessed. We're just going to um, finish with something tomorrow. If you could just close your eyes. I'd just love to give an opportunity this morning for perhaps, as Pastor James was sharing just there, to repent, to become aware, to think differently, to change your position. Maybe you're in this place and you've heard about Jesus. You've even witnessed today some people express their faiths but if you're honest with yourself you haven't had that moment where you realize what he has done for you where you realize the relationship that is on offer and I'd love to give the opportunity this morning with the eyes closed of the people around you so this can just be a moment where you're not worried about anyone else if you this morning whether for the first time or feel like You just need to pray this prayer, that you want to invite Jesus to be the King, to be the Lord, to be the Saviour of your life. If you want to be aware of what He has already done for you, if that's you in this place, I just encourage you just to lift your hand so I can see it and pray with you this morning. If anyone needs to pray that prayer and get right with Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Awesome. Is there anyone else this morning that needs to make that decision? What I want us to do is I want us to pray this prayer together, church, family, because it is a thing worth celebrating and uniting together when someone makes a decision to follow Jesus. So why don't we just repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for what you have done for me. I thank you that you did it all. And this morning, I make you my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sin and I ask that you would help me to walk with you 
every day of my life. In Jesus' name, let's celebrate together. Amen. We're going to do one last thing. If you made that decision this morning, you can head to celebrationchurch.com.au forward slash hello, and it's going to give you all of the information you need there. Or if you're new this morning and want to know more about our church, head to celebrationchurch.com.au forward slash hello. You can organize a phone call to get from our new people's team. It gives you all of our upcoming new people lunch dates coming up in October, baptisms, everything. I just want to, we do this thing at the end of our service where we just pray for our church family as they go out into their week. So why don't we stand together this morning? And if you're with a significant other, husband, wife, why don't you grab their hand, a child, someone, and I'd just love to pray over you and your week this morning. Jesus, I thank you that you are King, that you are Lord, that we are on the winning team, that nothing can stand against you, King Jesus. So we just declare over this week your victory, your greatness. We ask Jesus for fresh opportunities to share your good news with those around us, to be your hands and feet. So Jesus, I pray blessing over our church. I ask for provision. Holy Spirit, I ask for your strength. I pray that you would be with us in every circumstance. And specifically this week, Lord, I ask that you would give us fresh boldness to take risk. I pray, Jesus, you would go before us. Make us aware of opportunities to share your good news. May there be a boldness in your church that is not natural, that is not hype, that is not getting pumped up, that is from your throne room, Jesus, that is advancing your kingdom with a supernatural boldness. So be with us this week, and we pray that these sausage sizzles would bless our hearts and that youth would have the greatest camp they've ever had where they'd experience you like never before where you would mark a generation for your will, for your ways that our schools would never be the same. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Celebration Church. Next Sunday, Pastor Nat bringing the word two Sundays and just preaching, so come along Stick around after the service. We love you. We'll see you soon. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.